Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Everyone, it's Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, today, I have a colleague, Jackie Ferguson. Jackie and I um, both belong to the forms of executive councils, and we were able, and I should say I was privileged to have her as part of a, a DEI um, a meeting that we had not too long ago, which was really, really well received. So I asked Jackie to come in so we can chat a little bit further about some of the concerns that we're seeing um, around what she does um, in her business, the diversity movement around DEI. So Jackie, thanks so much um, for coming on today and spending some time with us. Roxanne, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell us, um, tell us a little bit about kind of, um, you know, diversity is, I will, you know, I'm, this sounds hard, harsh, but it's the topic. It's the hot topic. It is. Even though it shouldn't be a hot topic, but it's, right. it's always so necessary. And obviously we know with the change in times, how, what a need that has been, but I want to jump right in and not get into, you know, we know with uh, George Floyd that, um, you know, obviously that this is something that needed to be highlighted, but it uh, talks took such adversity for that to happen. But I was uh, just reading some research around McKinsey and, and Deloitte and what they're saying is, the reality is everybody knows that this is necessary. Um, there's been a lot of things put out to the marketplace about things that should be done. And then there's the reality of what's happening. So mm -hmm. I'd like to kind of just dive in and talk a little bit about what you're seeing in reference to what's happening in the marketplace around diversity. Sure. Well, Roxanne, I think that, you know, after the murder of George Floyd and others and the spotlight on racial injustice was placed on our society, I think that organizations felt that um, that push from their employees and from their consumers and clients to really step into the a realm that was new, right? Which is um, speaking about current events and things that are happening in society and and providing them um, that the support they needed. Uh, and so a lot of companies made commitments to DEI, um, certainly put out those diversity statements, um, and then got into the work and realized, you know, it's hard, right? As you think about um, shifting your culture, especially for companies that have been around for a while, and as you think about um change leadership, right? We think about change management, but it, you can't manage change in people, but you can lead a change. And that's hard as well. And, and so, you know, and, and then in addition to that, on top of that, you've got the, you know, dealing with people's long held beliefs a lot of times and long held behaviors, which now you're encouraging this shift and all of that is hard. And I think that a lot of companies didn't understand or realize or have the support 
that they needed to make these changes. Um, and so, you know, understanding how to implement, roll out, and then continue to make progress in your DEI initiatives requires uh, some time and expertise. Um, and so I think that a lot of companies didn't realize that. Um, and then also, you don't see those changes right away, Roxanne. It takes time. Um, studies show that it's about three years to see real progress in your DEI initiatives. Now, you can see progress up through those three years, but to really feel that shift takes about three years. So, um, you know, we're two years in now. So for organizations that um, really made that commitment and, and have been putting in the effort for education um, and change and integrating it throughout uh, their organization, they should start seeing those, those real changes now. So tell me, like, if it's, it's, it's almost like um, steps or levels, mm -hmm. right? Um, the, oh, my goodness, that we're in crises to, all right, let's, you know, have a DEI, you know, support person to a, maybe a DEI officer sure. to now how does this kind of fit into our overall strategic plan? Mm -hmm. So what might people experience? Let's say people went into crises, which I think everybody did, uh, you know, uh, with George Floyd, what would be the difference that if let's say I'm a novice, I have no idea. I'm thinking about starting to join a company and I want to make the best decision about where my um, strengths and my leverage and what I value being diversity and inclusion. And I'm trying, I'm trying to decide which company to go with. So if mm -hmm. I'm meeting the person at the initial and I'm meeting the person in the middle and I'm meeting the person that's really kind of at the last quarter mile, let's say, mm -hmm. um, what, what should I be kind of looking for at these different stages? Yeah, the most important thing to get started is to make sure that you've got the buy-in from your C-suite and understand the benefits to DEI, uh, successful DEI to your organization. So if you think about C-suite, of course, everyone thinks about the CEO, right? So there are studies that show, Roxanne, the difference in profitability, which matters to your CEO, right? Profitability is important um, right there around happy employees, employees that feel valued and feel um, a sense of belonging at the organization. If you think about your CFO, they, they do a lot around compliance and risk, right? And if you've got a strong DEI program, you're avoiding some of these um, harassment claims and um, you know discrimination claims. When you're thinking about marketing, so your CMO, you're, you're gonna think about um, your brand reputation, expanding your market reach to include more diverse people which is how our society is trending, right? We're more diverse than we ever have been before. And, you know, in the next, I would say five to seven years, the shift will change to where um, culturally diverse people will be more than, than non-culturally diverse people. And so how are you managing that from, from a marketing standpoint and making sure that your messaging um, those folks that, um, you know, have different habits, right? Even Gen Z coming into the workplace, you've got to think about them from a 
employee perspective and also from a market reach perspective. And they want to know that the organizations that they work for and support have those same value alignments that they do um, because that's extremely important to them. So as you go through your C-suite, you need to know what message resonates with each of those folks. And then from there, you want to make sure that your DEI strategy is integrated within your organization, your full organization. And Roxanne, the way to do that is to understand your your, uh, analytics for DEI. So understanding how to measure the sentiment going into your DEI program of your employees. Um, You know, people that are very excited about it and, you know, certainly after um, all that occurred in the summer of 2020, you know, a lot of organizations that were excited about, you know, implementing these programs thought that their full, you know, employee base was also as excited as they were. And, and a lot of them found out that was not the case. So understanding what that really looks like, how to communicate is important. And then understand what you're measuring, what you should be measuring so that you can create a good baseline for where you're really starting, right? A lot of times executives think they understand the sentiment of their employees, right? But sometimes that can be off. And so you want to understand what you've really got, where you're really starting, and then create your plan based on where your organization is. And there is not a one-size-fits-all plan. Each organization is different. The way they communicate is different. The way their culture is built is different. And so it's a, you know, it's a one company at a time, um, you know, one step at a time situation. You know, I'm curious, right? When you said, of course, the business, you know, the business strategy, if you're speaking to marketing, speaking the terms, if you're talking to finance, speaking numbers, mm-hmm. uh, this, the CEO, you give a synthesis of every kind of, um, you know, lines that you need him or her to, to, to get. Absolutely. You know, what I'm curious about, though, is when you have a diverse C-suite versus mm-hmm. um, maybe a more homogeneous um, C-suite. How is that? Because I, I would find that quite fascinating. Because like, for instance, like I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. So I'm, I grew up diverse, right? Like I grew up with every color of the rainbow. Like one friend was Chinese. The other was, um, you know, uh, European. Then there's me. Then there's, you know, half, you know, African, half Chinese, half Indian. So every, I'll say that we were always the rainbow because of the diversity that went to the islands. So when you get around someone that's diverse, there's a certain permeation that happens just because, you know, their, their mindset is different to begin with. Mm-hmm. I've always thought of difference as being normal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm, cu- I'm curious when you've worked with C-suites where there's been a more homogeneity where it's kind of like, okay, let's, let's think about these concepts. Let's think about innov- innovation. Let's think about diversity of thought. Um, let's think about how we can bring a different perspective. That's one thing. But when you already have the diversity in that room, how does that play out? Yeah, that's that's a, a great question. And Roxanne, I love that you brought up that you grew up in, in a diverse society. Not everyone has that benefit. So a lot of times people are starting in different places, understanding how to just communicate and interact with people that are different than they are. And so 
you know, starting there, what, what you'll want to do um, from an organization that's homogeneous versus one that has the benefit of being diverse. The, the one thing that I, I'd like to say is that diversity is broad. So when we think about diversity, very often we're thinking about race or gender or sexual orientation, but personality is a, an aspect of diversity. Um, disability is an aspect of diversity and disability is a, is a part of uh, the, you know, the diversity dimension that any of us can become a part of at any point in our lives through age, accident, diagnoses. And so for organizations, um, you know, the, the um, employees and the prospective employees that are coming into those organizations want to feel comfortable that they, you know, will get that support and, and be allowed to thrive even as their life changes, right? Um, parental status is, uh, you know, an aspect of diversity. And you want an organization that can move with you as you go through your life. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's so much movement um, in your employee base and so much turnover because they're, they're looking for that home and that sense of belonging. But for organizations, uh, Roxanne, that are diverse, studies show, and a lot of studies show in so many different aspects, that that diversity of thought, that diversity of experience, that diversity of you know how you solve problems benefits an organization from a um, revenue standpoint, from an innovation standpoint, from a creativity standpoint, from that sense of belonging standpoint. Because when you see diversity at the top, those middle managers, those individual contributors can see that there is a trajectory for them to succeed and grow within that organization. And they work harder and they look for those, those stretch assignments. Whereas when you see all of the same, those culturally diverse people that are in your, your middle rungs, um, you know, it, it's, um, it's frustrating for them because they're, they're not sure how high they can move within that organization. And I often say that sometimes my Caribbean upbringing gave me a different mindset because I thought anything was possible. So I, you know, so of course I have, um, they think Middle Eastern, but mostly Indian background from India with indentured laborers, which you know, so the trajectory of what happened with slavery and indentured laborers, really, other than supposedly promise of land, really, there was a lot, the, the conditions were harsh at best for my ancestors. But the thing is, what happened in order to survive, and this is the history with the Caribbean, and I, any Caribbean people listening, they're probably going to say I'm, I'm botching it up, but there was this element of that you had, in order to survive, you had to embrace different so there's that mm. mindset that comes from the Caribbean in that, you know, you may be Hindu or Muslim or uh, Black or Chinese or Middle Eastern, you know, after a while, you know, we in turn that the term is Kalaloo in a way, which is a, a dish, it's a dish, but it's really a blending of everything. And mm. that whole concept that, well, my brother could be Black or he could be white, mm -hmm. even though there was the backdrop of colonialism. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when I came to Canada, when I was 16 to go to school, and then people would say, well, I can't do that. And I'm like, well, well why? Why can't you do that? Why couldn't you, you know, go on and do X, Y, or Z at university? Because, oh, that doesn't happen. So it was a mindset um, that was a bit different, even mm -hmm. though that we had the same backdrop. 
Mm-hmm. So again, culture, like to your point, uh, acculturation, uh, potentially what my exposure was, say, versus growing up in North America as well. Absolutely, Roxanne. And you know, the thing that is so pervasive and insidious are the narratives that not only are told about us, but are, are shared to us and, and are part of us where you know, we've got to really work to break through that in order to believe as in ourselves to achieve as much as we can, because there's so much that's told to us that we're, we're not good enough. We, we can't succeed. We can't do these things. And especially here in the United States, systems are set up that create disadvantage for us. And so the combination of all of those things it's frustrating, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a pervasive negativity that we really have to work to one overcome for ourselves, but two overcome in society, because there are so many of us that are doing amazing things, have wonderful things to contribute. Um, and because we, you know, see ourselves in these, these boxes, right? It, it makes it difficult to branch out and be able to understand other perspectives, which is something that you had the benefit of growing up in a, a multicultural society. You know, there were lots of perspectives, lots of ideas um, that were shared, and there's just a different level of comfort in growing up that way versus having to now understand that and embrace that it's, it's a little challenging um, and a little scary sometimes, to be honest, for um, organizational leaders that are doing it for the first time. Absolutely. And having those conversations, I said, if you grow up and you're imbued in diversity, you think, well, why is this an issue? Uh And my friends are from Trinidad and we still get on the line and we're like, why they you know it's so different even though we know the systemic underpinnings absolutely and that existed in Trinidad as well but I think because you know my my prime minister was black my Mm -hmm. dentist was Chinese my physician was Indian Mm -hmm. so it didn't matter where you went right like I mean you were consistently around it and then if you meet someone from my island you'll know it's a trinity like we joke around because we have the same way of thinking again but it's all different cultures, right? Like, and ethnicities. So it shows you, um, and when I speak about um, authenticity, I talk about just going from the heart because ultimately, you know, that's the space that we we all want that space within, you know, whether um, we're out with our children or we're running a company or we're on mm-hmm. teams, what is it? I just want um, to be uniquely who I am. And if you can't have a conversation about who I am and you were to see me visibly, um, you know, you're going to treat me differently, not knowing my background. You take mm-hmm. someone just like me that say was born in the U S mm-hmm. our realities are going to be completely different in so, yeah. so many ways. So I think that's what I talk about is, you know, um, getting comfortable enough to have the conversation to say, Hey, Jackie, where are you? Where are you from? You know, yeah. You know, or, you know, tell me a bit about you. How did you grow up? Did you have a big family, a small family? Did you, you know, what are the things that make you, you? And I think to your point, if you have people that are comfortable to get there, that's one thing. But if you're just kind of stepping into it and it's a recipe, 
That's mm-hmm. a whole other thing. And there's a lot of tiptoeing around things that eventually when people come from the heart, it's, it's easier to get to. I, I love that. And authenticity is such an important word in this work, Roxanne, because ultimately everything that you're doing is establishing a relationship of trust. And you have to be authentic in your relationships. When, when I ask you how you're doing, I really mean it. I want to know how you're doing. It's not something that I'm just checking off my list, right? And, and you have to also be vulnerable yourself. So if you're looking for information about me and, and want me to share with you, then you should share with me. And so that's something that give and take is so important. And it's important for... Um, individuals who don't have that experience with multicultural societies to really, you know, become comfortable with mm-hmm. um, so that they can have those open dialogues and learn some new things and see the world through other perspectives, because we all see through our own, you know, lens of experience, right? right. And so to really be able to be a person who is empathetic, Um, And and that's part of the work in DEI, whether it's in, you know, your communities or in your um, corporations, Um, you've got to open and broaden your perspective a little bit. And you certainly can do that well through conversations. Um, So again, authenticity is such an important word uh, in this work. And, you know, and music, right? Like, you know, I think about the things that cut through our souls, right? So um, obviously going back again to my history, there's Calypso, right? Well, Calypso mm-hmm. um, and Carnival, which is, you know, came out of, it came out of uh, basically slavery, right? So I, you know, I'm the typical Caribbean kid. I played the steel pan, right? So mm-hmm. I grew up, you know, and the, you guys call it um, a, a band, we call it a side. So I p- grew up playing the steel drums. I came to Canada. I, I toured Canada with my high school, um, went to the parliament buildings when I was 13 years old. And we did a cultural exchange was everything from African dance to um, combination of choirs. I played, um, you know, Hava Nagila along uh-huh. with, um, you know, the Canadian anthem on the steel pan. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, so when you kind of start to look at it from there, and I, I often say my lens is that um, what an opportunity, because it's, it's, you know, when you meet somebody that is not like you, there's mm-hmm. such wealth within them. But but oftentimes that space of I don't know what to ask or I don't know how to be, if you can just be yourself and open up your heart, which is like what you said, is the core fundamental mm-hmm. of getting to trust, which is I want to feel good on the inside, just like you. Yeah. Um, but that takes that takes work and time and metrics has to get out of the wind. Taxic, tactics have to find its spot and the bottom line and, and boards and all that stuff gets mixed up in there. But, you know, I, I think cutting through it to get to who are you mm-hmm. um, and how is it that I can help you shine through so you can just let me understand who you are is what I see as being very, very important. And music is a good way to do that. You know, Absolutely. And, you know, that's so great, Roxanne, because ultimately in order to do this work, you've got to find the baseline that people can all agree on. Right. And people love music. That's a, that's a, a great way to find that, you know, let's where, where is the point of agreement? And for DEI, that point of agreement usually is, 
do you believe that people are entitled to be respected, feel safe, and feel that their contributions are valued at work? And usually you're going to get a yes there. So from there, that's where the work starts, no matter where people are on that spectrum of having experience with other cultures, other dimensions of diversity, um, what their education level is on that diversity journey. That is the fundamental baseline that people can agree on. And then the work begins from there. So at the third stage of, like you said, the year three, Mm -hmm. um, I would assume that that foundation has been built. So I guess I'm going to assume policies are in alignment. Um, You're going to have some basic communication capacity. You're going to start with your C-suite, like Mm -hmm. you said. And then obviously, then you're going to go to middle management, you know, in front line, you're going to, but of course that takes a lot of time because you got to kind of work out the kinks between every level. So let's say you're a a senior leader or a CEO listening to this and you're thinking, um, I think we do some of it. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. We have touch points. What would your advice be to someone like that to say what I, I, I'm listening to Jackie and Roxanne. I'm realizing how many things we have attempted or some of it that we've done well, but boy, we've dropped the ball. And it's not because we're really not trying, but it's because mm-hmm. we're not aware of some of the things that we should be keeping our eye, eye on. What, what would you say to someone like that? Absolutely. So a couple of things there, Roxanne. One, you're going to be chasing progress over perfection. You're not going to get it all right. You're not going to hit the mark on every single initiative in your DEI journey that you want. And that's okay. The most important thing is to be authentic, as you said, be vulnerable and share communication throughout what you're doing, why you're doing it, what's been the progress, whether it's big progress, small progress, no progress. What, you know, what are some of the things that you're going to change? What are some of the things that you're going to try? That communication is key throughout your entire DEI journey, because you've got to gain buy-in from C-suite to your middle managers, which are a very important part of the process because they ensure, um, you know, that DEI strategy is rolled out day to day and acted upon by your individual contributors. And, you know, so then, Measuring is so important because, again, even small movement um, can have exponential uh, value to your organization from what that means from um, a productivity standpoint, from an innovation standpoint, um, you know, from a a cohesiveness standpoint. And so you're going to want to make sure that you're measuring um, everything from your diversity data to your equity equity policies, for example, if you look at your HR policies, you know, many of those policies have been pulled in from, you know, other organizations or the organization you worked in before. It's been the same, um, you know, time off policy for 20 years, right? But those policies need to be reviewed because, you know, our families look different. Our, you know, our lifestyles are different. Um, The things that we're responsible for are different. And we want to make sure that those policies are reflective of, you know, who we are as individuals and as families that are part of the organization. And then, you know, the inclusion piece is so important in making sure that you are creating that 
culture where people feel valued and they feel safe, which is, you think that's fundamental, but a lot of employees, especially who are part of the LGBTQ plus um, community, don't feel safe in their places of work. And so those are some of the, the basics that you want to be communication measurement. So important. And then once you get to that year three, you'll be able to see real progress and then determine, okay, where do we want to dig in from here? These are things that are going right. These are things that we've not been super successful at yet. Let's, you know, do some remix of, of what our plans and strategies are and, you know, dig into this new, um, this new paradigm. But again, DEI is a journey. You're never going to get to the finish line. It's continual. It's a process. It has to do with people and people are evolving, um, you know, and our society is evolving. And so you've got to just maintain um, your commitment to that, to that journey. You know, what just came to me and I just think I'm listening to, you know, what about, you know, um, the stories in reference to the business units Mm-hmm. Um, and sharing that as you, as let's say you're, you're making progress and from a marketing perspective, if you can do a pre and a post and a process, mm-hmm. right. And show it in reference to outcome. I, I think how, how beautiful would that be? If you kind of looked at it and you looked at how you shifted the impact you had, how it touched all the different parts of the business unit in the business, and then ultimately what it did to your business out there in, in, kind of the world. That would be a beautiful kind of thing in reference to marketing. Roxanne, that's absolutely right. And again, that story should be told, that communication should occur internally. It should occur externally, because if you're thinking about, you know, your existing employees, they want to know, you know, what are we doing? You know, we've got these extra things that we've got to learn and we've got to implement and we've got to do. Um, so what's the progress that we're making as a whole? And then also the external communication is equally important from, you know, your, your brand reputation, from how you're recruiting, um, you know, the best and the brightest who are prioritizing DEI and the companies that they want to work for. And so that communication piece is so important and share those stories, share your progress, share your wins, share the things that haven't gone well, that, you know, you're going to try a different way. Um, that is all part of that authenticity, Roxanne. That you and, and transparency, and transparency, right? Absolutely. Like you talked a little bit about narratives and narratives are based on mindsets. And I think, you know, the part that I think about is like, if you, when I shouldn't say if, and I believe that most companies want to do this, mm-hmm. when you start to make that shift and you create that evolutionary story about what you created based on what you've been exposed to. Like I, I always go back, you can't go back to not knowing. Mm-hmm. And then you, you let people know as you go along and then you ask for feedback, obviously in whatever way that works for your organization, the, the breadth and depth that you can get to, and even for things that you think you're doing well, and then you realize, boy, that's not working so well because people are going along and they're being complicit. But in fact, it's 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 maybe helping 45% of the people, but not the other 65 to mm-hmm. tweak those things become very, very important. And I think, um, you know, st- you know, the stories, the the how you're seeing the brand, how people are perceiving you, how, you know, across from the, you know, um, 
lunch table now, if people are back together at work, they can be able to talk about it versus mm-hmm. thinking, oh, well, I can't ask Roxanne that because I'm not sure she's going to say that. And maybe I'm going to, you know, maybe I'm going to put her off because if you're coming from a place of, I'm just a normal human being that really, really um, wants to know who you are, Jackie, that, that comes across from a, a different, deeper, deeper soul space as well. Absolutely. And Roxanne, you know, that made me think of growth mindset, right? We as leaders have to have a growth mindset in order to move our organizations into, you know, this next 10 years. Um, You know, we have to create sustainable business. And part of creating sustainable business is understanding the shifts and the trends that are occurring in society. And, you know, trends in how, you know, we work trends and how, um, you know, we absorb data and information trends and, you know, what we do uh, in our downtime, those things change over time. Right. And one of the examples that I use so often is blockbuster, right. And I'm a, a Gen Xer. And I remember spending my my Friday nights at Blockbuster, getting my, you know, two new releases and my Skittles, right? <laughs> and now, you know, the, the situation that occurred was that Netflix went to Blockbuster and Blockbuster said, no, that's, that's not going to change, right? And right. unfortunately, that's what happens with some leaders now around DEI. Mm, I don't know that I have to get into DEI, right? And right. so, and, but unfortunately for them, you know, that, that is going to, create issues with longevity of their business because, you know, again, with Gen Z coming into the workplace, where they want to work, the brands they want to patronize have to be really aligned with their values Mm -hmm. differently than any other generation before. And so to create sustainable business, you have to have that growth mindset and DEI is part of that. And I think, you know, a lot of companies have been successful without the strategy in the past for them to be aware that it's, it's looking at to your point is if uh, diversity and inclusion, we're knowing that, like you said, the, the demographic of the world is shifting. Yes. And I know definitely the U.S. probably um, the same. So if that's the case, you can you can look at it and say, oh, well, we've been successful. Or you can say, OK, what is it that I need to be aware of? And if I'm not so good at collating the information, what pulses do I have to get, make sure we have out there so that things are coming back to us that maybe we're not even thinking about. And I think sometimes the Gen Zs are the best for that mm-hmm. in that they, they, they're like thinking in such a different way and talking to younger generations. It's sometimes I think, wow, how do, how do you think like that? Because mm-hmm. they have such a different perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, a, you, you're right, diversity of thought comes in packaged in so many different ways. So it's not just a racialized, that's obviously the one that's the biggest one that's imminent, but it, it's, it's all around us. But ultimately it's understanding that individual and what, what they're gonna bring with them, regardless of how, what diversity, whether it's invisible or visible that they're, they're bringing um, out there to, to the workplace. Absolutely, Roxanne, that's well said. So I know you and I can probably keep chatting. Now, <laughs> for people that are interested and are thinking, well, we're at different points, like Jackie's saying, that they're wanting to um, maybe reach out or consult, kind of know where they're at. Where, where is the best place, Jackie, for them to get a hold of you? 
Certainly. So you can go to the diversitymovement.com and just reach out to us there. It'll give you lots of great information um, for free. You can, you can go to our webinars. We do webinars every month. We provide lots of free content that will help you on your journey. And then you can certainly reach out to us and we can talk to you about what might be right for your organization. And again, every organization is different. There is not a cookie cutter approach. So we'd love an opportunity to just have a conversation with you, see what your goals are and, and help you work towards them. Well, thanks so much again. So what, what, did I, what am I w- walking away with? I'm walking away with it's, it's not perfections, it's progress. Okay. Now look at where you're at. Um, tell the stories like we talked a little bit about. And, you know, as the leader or um, part of the C-suite, think what is it that I can bring forward that might help others, even though I'm thinking I may not be diverse. It may be something that you've experienced when you're out there in the world and you think, wow, this is something I'd never thought about. Bring it back, have that open conversation. Um, And I think we all have to be open to the fact that we're gonna learn till the day we die. Um, so just be recognizing yes. that wherever you go, if, it, if it's an experience in the world or, you know, seeing someone interact differently, bring it back, have conversations about it. And because ultimately, like we said, all we want to do as human beings is to have that experience of being accepted out there. We want to be valued. We want our lights to shine yes. and allow that space within your companies and uh, reach out to Jackie if that's something uh, that you're wanting. With myself, you know, I talk about authenticity. Um, I talk about um, my book, The ROR, which is The Return on Relationships, is about to be um, released. So if you're wanting to know about uh, authenticity in your relationships, just go to roxanderhodge.com forward slash quiz with one Q, one, one Z, sorry, and it'll pop you right into a little assessment. We'll send you some information. Again, Jackie, thanks so much. And take care, everyone. We'll chat with you soon. Okay, thanks, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.